Drinks, food, art, fun. This is Hops and Spirits, Kentucky. Happy belated Father's Day to all you fathers, father-like figures out there. I hope you had a great day. I know I did. we got a great episode for you this week as we welcome folks that if uh, you're familiar with our Bar Conversations podcast, you know them well. Chef Allison Settle and Chad Watson, a.k.a. My Daily Bourbon. They'll be heading over here to the Hops and Spirits Kentucky podcast to talk a little bit of grilling and whiskey. Uh, but before that, what's pouring Kentucky? Some news and notes around the state. Decade Restaurant, uh, led and co-owned by DECA veterans Chad Sheffield, Matt Johnson, and Andy Myers, is bringing new life to the former Butchertown Grocery Space at 1076 East Washington Street in Louisville, focusing on new American cuisine with Italian and French influences. Decade serves dinner Monday through Saturday, 5 to 10 p.m. each night. The menu features mains with meat and fish options, as well as pastas and vegetable-forward dishes. The restaurant's beverage program centers around twists on classic cocktails, it also includes a curated list of wine and craft beers, as well as non-alcoholic options. In addition to the first floor restaurant, Decade features a second floor private event area dubbed B-Side. And Lexington Old North Bar has expanded. Owner Wes Hogan uh, unveiled the Old North Kitchen and it made its debut this past Friday. The menu includes bar classics like burgers, wings, tots, and fries. It will operate seven days a week at Gray Line Station. And earlier this month in Lexington's Distillery District, the ribbon was cut for the long way to grand opening of Boutique Hotel in Manchester. The nearly $40 million project, announced back in December 2021, is officially open, bringing 125 rooms, a rooftop bar, and new restaurant to Manchester Street. Folks can enjoy the Lost Palm, which is a rooftop bar with plenty of seating inside or outside with seafood forward bites and drinks. Grand Am is open seven nights a week. This marble-filled equestrian-themed spot has a menu filled with local favorites such as fried chicken, roasted beets, and trout. Also in Lexington, the Living Arts and Science Center and Black Soil Kentucky are joining together for a, for a dynamic partnership encompassing locally sourced food, culinary, and community. Black Soil Kentucky will host its monthly Heal Over a Meal series at the Living Arts and Science Center. Uh, Heal Over a Meal focuses uh, or fuses agriculture, mental health awareness, and the arts. The next in that series is set for July 13th. Professional chefs from Black Soil Kentucky will also teach alongside Living Arts and Science Center teachers during cooking camp and classics and there's several other partnerships coming out of this as well which is really really cool to see up next we talk grilling and whiskey we welcome in chef allison settle for a new idea on grilling and then we talk with chad watson about single malt whiskeys and do bourbon lovers care about that or should they care enjoy Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at HopSpirits.com. Joining us here on Tasty Notes once again, it's Allison Settle. She's a James Beard Best Chef semifinalist, Sullivan University brand influencer. She's been on some Food Network shows, some other TV shows. And she, you can also find her assemblage pop-up events around Greater Louisville. Allison, welcome back. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I think she wants to stay busy, folks. I think that's her, her goal in life these days. Keep me busy. Keep me cooking. Well, and I think you're doing a great job of keeping us cooking with some new ideas. You talked about some fun things on the grill, some Korean barbecue at the beginning of the summer, uh, a nice little like uh, uh, salad, cool salad uh, you know, with, with mozzarella and some other cheeses on our last one. What do you got for us this time? Because, you know, we're getting into the kind of summer heat. Well, I was thinking about this time of year and it's, you know, it's it's really hot. You know, the kids are bored. You're going to the pool like every day. 
<laughs> and you want to maybe learn something new, have a new hobby, try something different, just invigorate the end of your summer. So you feel like, you know, I really accomplished something, you know, like I, I, I learned something new. So what I've got for you is learning how to smoke on a charcoal grill. Mm. Not everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Not everybody has the access to, or the money for, you know, a, a professional smoker, so there's some of them are just exorbitantly expensive and I'm here to tell you that you really don't need all of that. You can do it on your 20 to $30 charcoal grill that you got at Walmart. No problem. Um, and what is that saying? They say like, by the time a man hits 40, he either knows how to smoke meat or what is it? Or knows the craft beer or he's, or he's picked one or the, he's picked like, yeah. yeah, he's picked but, one or the other. So if you're I, I'm 40, still not sure where I'm headed. <laughs> If you're pushing 40 and you have not yet figured out <coughs> how to brew beer, I am here to tell you that I can teach you how to smoke on a charcoal grill. So that's what we're going to learn today. Super cheap, super, super easy, um, totally approachable for anybody. Even if you have a or like a, a more like digital, you know, heavy duty smoker, like I challenge you to use a charcoal grill because you will become much more in tune with how it, the science of it works, which will give you a greater depth of knowledge to work with new kinds of meat, new kinds of temperatures. Once you understand like the physics and the mechanics of how to do these things, um, you know, your, your cooking knowledge is, is much, much better. That's why I'm always preaching culinary school for people is because I have a base of, of scientific, you know, um, procedural knowledge that not everybody learns because you don't have time to pick things up like that in, in a restaurant. So here's the science of it. You have your charcoal grill. Um, I want you to get a high quality charcoal, uh, like lump hardwood if you can. It's okay to get matchlet, you know, charcoal if that's what you have to do. But obviously, if you're going to go to the to the point of basically primitive smoking, like really lean into your ingredients or or your your mise en place, the stuff that you need. So a nice charcoal, the nicest you can get. And then even at Kroger, I have found that you can find various different forms of just bagged wood chips. Um, so if you're in a pinch and you're not really sure where to find that, if you don't have, you know, a wood saw mill in your backyard or whatever, you can go to Kroger, you can get cherry, mesquite, hickory, things like that. So about 30 minutes before you start your charcoal, drop your, <laughs> drop your wood into a bucket or a bowl and fill it up with water. So you want to rehydrate these wood chips so that when they get hot, they start to smoke, not burn. Because the, uh, the idea behind this is that you want a lower heat, a more indirect heat. Once those chips have rehydrated for about 30 minutes, that's when you'll start your charcoal. So they have about an hour to sit in that water. And then when your charcoal is ready and your meat is ready, and hopefully if you're doing something large like a Boston butt or whatever, um, shove a thermometer in there. And if your charcoal grill does have a temperature gauge on it, that's great too, because that will give you a good idea. Um, you want to make sure that your temperature gauge is directly over the meat that you're smoking or to just to the side of it and not on the side where your charcoal is. So this will make sense in just a moment. So with your wood chips, you want to grab several handfuls of it, wrap it up into a, an aluminum file packet, and then you just, um, just shove some holes in it. I mean, this is very, very, very simple. And then your charcoal, 
for more of an indirect smoke because you want a lower heat. You're not grilling this. You want to smoke it in like a lower oven temperature, so 200 or even 150 and above. You want to grab your charcoal that you've started. You want to shove it all over onto one side of the charcoal grill or even into one quarter of it if you can. And then put your charcoal packet or your wood chip packet with your soaked wood chips directly on top of that. And then put the grill top back on and have your meat as far away from those things as possible. Shut the grill. And then um, soon those wood chips will start smoking and your meat will not be on direct heat, but it will be sort of radiant heat from the grill on the side. And so you can easily, you do have to check the temperature. You do have to be more diligent about your monitoring of it. Um, but again, this is about learning like at a certain point, your meat will plateau. It will hit, you know, 165 degrees and it will take a really long time after that to get up to 185. So you've got to figure out how to manage your fire, how to manage your flame. And, you know, don't try it with like a really expensive rib rack of ribeye or anything like that. Just try like from the grocery store, a little two or three pound Boston butt and just, and give it a, give it a shot and just salt it maybe for the first time and try the different wood chips that you can get. They're really cheap. They're like, I don't know, like three bucks a bag and you can do it several times and you can find out which kinds of smoke you like better or maybe combinations of them. Just like really going down all the way to the basics like you don't have to barbecue by injecting things and marinating things for four days or buying these crazy ingredients or anything like that. Like a, a nice fatty chunk of meat, well seasoned with salt and maybe pepper if you like, in indirect heat smoked by that grill will absolutely blow your mind. It will be incredible. And you just take that all the way up to 185 if you can, and it'll pull apart and have a smoke ring of delicious. So simple. And, and for it's those meditative. that. It's meditative. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I love that. And, and for those that maybe look at a charcoal grill, I remember when I was first using them, I was like, I can never get these things to work. Can't get them to light. Can't get them all to get going once. That's where the um, kind of chimney shoot comes in handy, right? Yes. Yes. Don't, don't. If you have like one of those torches with the like butane tank and you can just like the charcoal, like go for it, man. Like live your pyro dreams. But for me, um, just buy those, they have the handle and then like the area for the charcoal and then a little space underneath. And I always just have like, I don't know, pieces of cardboard from you know, soda cans or anything like that, and then just light it and it works like magic. Like you could sit there with a butane torch for like 10 minutes and you might get it lit. But for whatever reason, a few charcoal <laughs> pieces and a few pieces of cardboard will just light up like a chimney. I don't, I don't know. But that is key. That is key. And you want to make sure you have enough charcoal to go throughout the day because it's not going to be like a, a one or two hour process. We're talking like sit out on your <laughs> sit out in your driveway on your lawn chair like with your cooler of beers or white wine spritzers or whatever you're fancy you know get your radio out there have the kids play with sidewalk chalk and run around in the water while you just sit and, and sip and watch your meat cook it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful i was gonna thing. say it's very therapeutic it is it's yeah it is a kind of therapy for sure yeah 
I, I, I love that, Allison. I, I love the knowledge on that because that's something I never would have thought of uh, being so simple because you see all the big fancy grills these days, but you can't take it back and just kind of make something good with something not super expensive either. Exactly, exactly. And that's 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 the beauty of cooking, I think, is is the idea that there's so much knowledge and so many things changing all the time that you'll never learn it all. So if you're somebody that's thirsty for knowledge and, you know, food science and how things work, like this is a wonderful way and a very enjoyable way to start to learn the science of food. Well, Allison, I appreciate the knowledge as always. I'm glad to be here. Joining us once again on Tasty Notes, you can find him on Instagram at My Daily Bourbon, or maybe you've uh, listened to him on this podcast or the part of the Bourbon Life crew as well. I don't think he ever slows down. Welcome back, Chad Watson. I try not to slow down, but thanks for having me, man. Good times as always. Love, love having a chat. Love sitting down and talking to you. Absolutely, absolutely. And this one was your topic because I had a couple ideas for the last ones, but I was struggling for the third one. And so I said, hey, what would be a good topic? And I think you are ready to go on this one. And I'm curious to see because if folks are in, in the bourbon world, whiskey world, they're starting to see a lot of these pop up. And it's American single malt whiskeys. Yep. What's your thought on, on these? And um, do you think uh, bourbon drinkers care about these? I think bourbon drinkers are starting to care about these because they're seeing brands like Jack Daniels. Jim Beam and Buffalo Trace, which Buffalo Trace has done, like, I'll, I'll backpedal a little bit. Yes, I think customers are starting to care, but I think the big brands, because these things aren't something you just do overnight. So American Single Malt um, is, like, there's, I think it's a society or council or I don't know, but the, there is, the uh, government is trying to pinpoint stipulations for American Single Malt. Now, how long will that take? When will that happen? Who knows? But all these distillers are kind of operating within a realm of their own. So, you know, they're able to cook up some crazy mash bills and recipes and add things like coloring and flavoring because you can in Scotch and Irish and Japanese and all these. But a lot of companies are taking it serious. Like uh, Westland and Westward out, out West are two of my favorite American single malt brands. And... They experiment, you know, so they'll they'll do different types of malted barley and like, you know, uh, they'll cook it different ways at caramel and chocolate and they'll they'll do like a five mash like Woodford Reserve did the five stout malt mash. And people thought that was going to be like a stout beer bourbon, but it's it is, it, but it's a distilled beer. It's not a finished beer. So it is a single malt that was produced as if it were to be a stout beer and i think in recent times i think that got more attention because people were interested because they just were not educated enough they just didn't know like woodford did not do a good job of educating about that because it did not say you know it should have said malt whiskey in big letters so it's not a single malt um because i'm sure that it had a little bit of actually, I don't know what the mash bill was on that. It could have had some corn, but I'm not sure. Um, but Jim Beam just came out with Claremont Steep, fifty nine ninety nine price tag. It's not bad. It's a great. I think it's five years old. It's a great entry level, basic, bare bones single malt. 
But at 60 bucks, I would rather reach for one of the craft guys like Westland or, you know, maybe spend a little more money for a craft guy like Westland or Westward. And to me, have something that they've been doing a little longer. Like Jim Beam's been experimenting with it for a while now because they had the little books that have had the single malts in them. And Freddie's been playing around with his craft distillery. Craft, that's bigger than most distilleries will ever be. But I think the big guys seeing what the you know the small craft brands were doing, especially out west, the Midwest, and everywhere that all these single malts and up in New York, where all these companies are coming from, and we're like, we could capitalize on this, because if you're not innovating, and that's you know people give brands like Wild Turkey crap because Wild Turkey just does one recipe, several ways. Well, Heaven Hill does the same thing; they do one recipe and twelve brands. It just depends on all right, this warehouse is at Williams, that's Dan or whatever, and Beam has really done, there's a big marketing push. Claremont Steep, I can't, you know, I get ads for it on YouTube. I get ads for it on Instagram. Everyone's posting about it. And everyone's like, is this any, you know, da, 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 da. it's everywhere. They've done a really good job of marketing that. Jack Daniels, on the other hand, did theirs as a limited release. And it's a sherry bomb. So, I mean, it basically just tastes like malt whiskey blended with sherry, which I like. I really enjoyed it. But people were going nuts over that. And no one cared about Jack Daniels before. And now it's all the high strength Koi Hill stuff, the single mall stuff. So these brands have seen that and they've been working to it, but I think now that it's becoming more popular that they are deciding to release these into the, you know, the mass market. Now malted barley is one of your most expensive grains. So I, I get why these are going to have a higher price point on them, but they can also be Asian used barrels. So people talk about what, what's happening with all these used toasted barrels and all this stuff out of the market. We got places like Starlight, 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 actually has aged their single malt and I don't want to say brands, but other distillery, major distillery barrels because they were cheap, they need to be used. So American single malts can go into a used barrel and I mean, age for, you know, 10, 12 years, but our climate's way different than Scotland or Ireland. So you're going to get more of that temperature swing here in Kentucky and around the United States. So it is going to produce a little more richer of a product. And I think people who hear malt or single malt and they think scotch and they think pea and, you know, band-aid, smoky, bad, nasty. And that's not true. I mean, are there, like Corsair used to do a peated malt whiskey and you've got, uh, which I don't think Corsair is around anymore. Yeah, MB Roland who's doing all kinds of funky stuff like that. But I think people should really lean and work into like High West has a, what is theirs called? High Country? Is that their standard malt? I can't remember what theirs is. Um, I can't remember. But it's a really good basic single malt. Now, Campfire, sorry, High West, is gar- garbage. I do not like it. Um, it is a smoky, peaty, fiery mess. And that's, that's the whole point of it. That's why it's called Campfire. But, like, you know, High West has been doing a malt forever out in Utah. But people who just, they know High West because Midwinter's Nice Dram and all, you know, all their limited releases that they do. But, I think consumers are finally starting to get around to it. And I think, and I know craft distilleries are going to be angry because they're like, we've been doing it forever, but you need those big distilleries to bring attention to it. You, you need those big guys to, to say like, Hey, we're doing this. You know, if, if Jim Beam has cemented a single malt, now it, it may die after five years because it may be a fad or they may like, we're not getting a good ROI. So it may die off, but if you see a brand like Jim Beam, I think that's really good for the market. There should always be options. Like you and I have talked before about rye whiskeys, how we really love rye whiskeys. And I drink more mm-hmm. rye whiskey at home than bourbon. Um, just 
I think it's more versatile. Uh, it, I find it sweet, but um, a lot of people think it's spicy. They hear rye. I don't like rye. Well, 99% of all the bourbons you're drinking have rye in them. So just take the leap, go for a 51%er. It's very bourbon-esque and go that route. But I think people should be more adventurous and it tastes a little more. I mean, there are some like Claremont Steep, sweet tea, little chocolate, malty, earthy, tobacco notes. I, I, we talked about the bourbon life and oh, knock my iPad over. Dirt was one of my tasting notes. And that sounds bad when you hear dirt. You're like, oh, it tastes like dirt. But, you know, you go to the wine world and, you know, someone swirls down, swirls like a nice heavy red from like Spain. And, you know, they're like, like musty oak and dirt. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I want to have a glass of that. So it, it kind of, when you try it, you understand. And I, I thought Steep was fine or Claremont Steep was just fine. But it's a very, anyone could go grab that and find something they like about it. Like it, to, to me, that's actually a really good, like another topic, you know, we talked about uh, what would be a good summer whiskey because mm -hmm. I thought it tasted like drinking, you know, barnyard dirt, sweet tea. It would be a great summer whiskey over an ice cube with like a squeeze of lemon. And I think that would help brighten it up. And it would be just like having a lightly boozy Arnold Palmer and it's just easy liquid ice lemon. But I think consumers should test the waters a little bit. Everyone should have one bottle of single malt. Do you, do you have any, any American single malt? I know you're not a huge fan. I'm not a big fan, which is part of the problem. And I think that's what a lot of bourbon drinkers are probably nervous about is, is because it's like anything. You've got to be willing to try to find your pathway to it. Yeah. And I, I haven't found my pathway. I've had a few. I don't have – I don't think I've got any out there right now. I've had a few, but I've never found one I've loved. I need to – I'll get you a sample from Mark or Chad or somebody of this Claremont Steep. I want you to try it. Do you like sweet tea? See, that's the problem. I'm not a big tea guy. Oh, well, you probably won't like it then. It's very tea heavy. Uh, but I mean, I say that, and then like that one, I'll probably like. Who knows? Yeah, yeah you might. I still get a sample of it. But like Westland, they age a lot of their stuff in used and new barrels, and those new barrels really add a lot of oak influence. So you really get a, a lot of bourbon esque out of it. Uh, and you got brands like Heaven Hill. You know, they, they've got a 51 percent malt coming out. And that's going to be with corn and um, I think it said rye. I can't remember what the label said, but it's 51% malt, but it's going to have corn in it. So they've, in the past, they, they did the Parker's, which was 65 malt, 35 corn, drank like a, like a slightly earthy bourbon and very damn good. But I think people will just kind of need to keep an eye out for that. You know, experiment a little, open your mind up, Jonathan, open your mind up and we'll. I'll try. I'll try. You don't have to like it. No one, you don't, no one has to like it, but I think everyone should own one. Everyone should own one bottle of it just, just because it's nice to go into something else. That, that's fair. I, I will give you that. That is fair. <laughs> and, and that, but that goes back to what we've talked about, about being willing to try things because eventually you will probably find something in that realm that you like. It's just that journey sometimes can be a, a tough road to go down. Exactly. And I'll use Jack Daniels as an example. Everyone hates Jack Daniels, but then you get high proof and you get crazy finishes and you get a cash room fry and people are just like, oh yeah, that's my new favorite stuff. That's still not bourbon, but it's, still, it's now my new favorite stuff. So, I mean, you just need to find that one thing and you don't have to like the brand or everything else they make, but as long as there's just one item, go for that. I, I like it. Something to think about. And I, I appreciate that part of this as always, Chad. Hey man, thanks for having me. Good times as always. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com.
everybody. Bye.